Amen. Good morning. Feel free to have a seat. Uh, this morning, Pastor Kevin is beginning a new sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit. And this sermon series will, will be in conjunction with our home team study. And so hopefully if you're not part of a home team, uh, you will make that a priority. It is, it is certainly not too late. But as we transition from worshiping through music to worshiping through the preaching of God's Word, I want to invite you to follow along as I read our passage for today. It is Galatians chapter 5, and we'll begin in verse 13. You can follow along in your copy of God's Word. Uh, this is at the top of the message map you hopefully received on your way in the door, as well as on the screens behind me. And again, this is Galatians chapter 5. We'll begin in verse 13. It says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. And Father, thank you for your character that all good things emanate from who you are. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be with Pastor Kevin as he serves you this morning as a, as a messenger of your word, that you would give him words that would encourage us, that would correct us and Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give us ears to hear. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here uh, this morning in worship. And let me take just a moment uh, to also welcome those who are in our overflow room. Thank you for joining us and those who are listening by podcast or watching online. We want to take just a moment to welcome you as well. As Stephen mentioned, we are excited today to kick off a new series uh, it is called The Me I'm Designed to Be, and if you are in one of our home teams, 
you have received or you will very soon receive one of these books uh, that will be the study guide that you will use in your home team. Now, if you are not part of a home team and you would still like a book, you can pick one up in the foyer. It will be $250 for you. If you're in a home team, they are free. So let me give you this suggestion. Save some money and join a home team. Now, I may get in trouble with my staff for saying this. I may have to retract this next week, so just know that. But if you say, I will start a home team, I will get three friends and we'll get together and we will meet at Cathedral Coffee and discuss the book, they may just give you a free book. Again, I may have to retract that next week. However, give it a shot. I would do it. Just try to save the money. So each week, <clears throat> you will read the book, you'll listen to the message, and you have seven uh, devotions for every day of the week. So, or one a day, seven devotions to read that week, to study that will go along with the particular topic. The topic for this, as Stephen mentioned, is the fruit of the Spirit. That's what the Bible calls uh, these characteristics that Stephen read earlier. Here's your list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For those of us who are followers of Christ and therefore have the Holy Spirit residing in us, this is the work that God does in our lives. God produces people who love others more. God produces within us people who possess joy and peace. God gives us patience, kindness, goodness. He makes us more faithful, makes us more gentle, turns us into people who exhibit self-control. This is the kind of character that is produced in the life of a person who follows Christ. Yet I just bet if you're like me, there have been times in your life where you have not exhibited these traits. Even after you follow Christ, there are times that you're not that loving, not that patient, not that kind, not that gentle, and you lack self-control. I remember years ago, you will laugh at me when I tell you this, but years ago, I was with a bunch of guys and we were playing video games sitting around playing video games, and a guy did something that I thought was wrong. I thought he had wronged me. Turns out he had not, but I thought he had wronged me, and I just went off on him. I mean, I yelled and screamed. I gave him a piece of my mind, and in that moment, I lacked love and gentleness and patience and self-control. I mean, it was, it was awful. And I know that some of you hearing that story, you are severely disappointed in me right now. I can feel your judgmental stares going right through my skin, into my soul. I, I get it. You're upset that I told you that story, but here's what I know. You have your own story. You all have your own junk. You all have moments that you can bring to mind where you say, yeah, that." That was not my proudest moment in life. That, that I regret. That was not the person I am. That's not who I want to be. And this side of eternity, none of us will always get it right all of the time. 
However, we can get better. We can become better. We can become more like the individuals that God has designed us to be. Our characters can change into the kind of people where we more often exhibit these traits. And that's why we're doing this study in small groups. And my hope and prayer is that for every single person in this room, that throughout this study, that we will feel, and I use that word intentionally, that we will feel the Holy Spirit's work on our lives as God draws us closer to Him and we become different people. Now, before we jump into the passage, there's a few things in mind uh, that we need to keep in mind about this study on the fruit of the Spirit. You can see these bullet pointed on your message map just under the passage. Here's the first one. You can write this in. The fruit of the Spirit is different from the gifts of the Spirit. That is a completely different study. It is a different topic. All Christians are given some gifts by the Holy Spirit to be used for the, uh, for the church, to help the church. But no Christian gets all the gifts of the Spirit. However, and this is your next bullet point, the fruit of the Spirit is one fruit given to every Christ follower. You can see in the passage there, the word fruit is singular. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. Paul wrote the fruit of the Spirit is, meaning as Christians, we get all of the character traits that are in this list. All nine traits are evidence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, which means you and I cannot say, well, yeah, I got the love one, but not the patience one. Now, kindness, yes, that one is produced in my life. Self-control, not so much. We cannot claim exemption from any of these, even though they may manifest themselves in varying measures. The Holy Spirit does all of these in our character. Next, the fruit of the Spirit is completely a work of the Lord. In fact, when you look at this list, when I look at this list, it becomes a little overwhelming. We read through these and we think, there's no way I can do this. In fact, I will go ahead and tell you, there is one week in this series that I have to be out. It just so happens to be the week that we are covering patience. And when I saw that on my calendar, I said, thank God I'm out that week. And I don't have to preach on patience because that's an area where I just do not feel like I measure up. And my guess is, as we go through the list, you can point to some and go, yeah, yeah, I really have trouble with that one or those two or those three or four. The truth is, in our own strength, we can never muster up these characteristics. We cannot somehow manufacture them and we cannot take pride in them. It is only through the Holy Spirit's working in our lives can these traits become reality in us. However, and this is your next bullet point, the fruit of the Spirit is as well our responsibility. In other words, I cannot say, well, it's the Lord's fault that I lack patience. Blame Him. He's not done this work in my life. The Scripture is very clear 
that we are responsible for putting ourselves in a place where the Holy Spirit is able to do this work. The Holy Spirit likens it to putting on a garment. I did not make the garment. I cannot take credit for the garment. Yet I do have a responsibility for putting on that garment. That's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4. Notice what, what he wrote. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, to put on that garment which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Some writers have referred to this as a habit of grace, putting ourselves in a position where we can receive God's working in our lives. I read a quote recently that goes like this. When I do something wrong, I have to take all the blame. But when I do something right, God gets the credit. I think that sums up what the Bible teaches us, that we are responsible for putting ourselves in a position for God to then do the work in our lives for which God then gets the credit. Okay, here's the last one. Finally, the fruit of the Spirit is a progressive work and is not finished until we reach heaven. Here's what I mean. You can change your behavior instantly. On a dime, you can change what you do. But the fruit of the Spirit is about changing who we are. It is about changing our character. It is about changing our desires. That is why I've entitled this series, The Me, I've, uh, the me I'm Designed to Be. At the end of the day, this series is not about doing more right and doing less wrong. It's not about controlling our actions as much as it is about the Holy Spirit creating within us a godly character that naturally chooses what is right and naturally rejects what is wrong. Which is what we saw in the passage that Stephen read earlier. Uh, Stephen mentioned that this passage comes from the New Testament book of Galatians. Galatians was originally a letter. It was written by Paul to a church in a region called Galatia. And in the letter, in this portion, Paul spent time contrasting two different ways of living. One way is according to our flesh, and another way is according to the Spirit. By that, he means the Holy Spirit. So here's what this means. When you become a follower of Christ, at that moment, you receive the Holy Spirit into your life. There are some Christian groups that teach that know that's a later blessing. They say that you can be saved and then the Christian's responsibility is to pray to receive the Holy Spirit. And if you pray in enough faith that God will grant that and that's called a second blessing. I think the scripture is clear throughout that anyone who follows Christ at that moment, you receive the Holy Spirit into your life. And without going into an, an entire sermon about the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is God. God is the Holy Spirit. When you become a follower of Christ, God takes up residence in your life, which means 
If you're a follower of Christ, number one, you get the Holy Spirit. And then number two, that you and I can choose to either live by the Spirit or to live by what Paul here called the flesh. And when he used that term flesh, he did not mean muscle, tissue, and ligaments, and blood vessels. When he used the term the flesh, he meant the natural selfish desires that we all have at birth. The Bible calls it original sin. We are all born sinners. Now, if, you, if you're a new parent in here, let me just say, I'm not talking about your kid. Your kid is a perfectly innocent angel. I'm talking about every other child in the world who has ever been born, not your kid. Please don't send me that email. Every other kid, though, is a sinner. And you do not have to teach a kid how to be selfish. You do not have to show them how to lie. You do not have to sit down with a two-year-old and say, this is how you grab the truck from the other two-year-old, hit them on the head and say, no, it's mine. They just naturally know how to do this. If, if you're doubting this right now, if you think, well, I don't think the kids are born sinners, we invite you to volunteer in our two-year-old preschool next Sunday. And you will say, I don't need the Bible to teach me this. I say it. This is the way that we are born. However, when you become a follower of Christ, at that moment, you get freedom from the flesh and you then get the choice. You can live by the flesh or you can live by the Holy Spirit residing in you. Now, in this passage, what Paul does is he says there are consequences or results of living by the flesh. Let me point out three that he, he mentions in this passage, and you can see these on your message map. Number one, living by the flesh destroys our relationships. Go to verse 13. Paul wrote this. He says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So here's what Paul does at the beginning here. He gives this stern warning and he says, remember, you are free. You have been called by God and in that calling, you are free which means that you and I are not bound to all the religious rules and regulations. That Jesus kept the law perfectly on our behalf. And he went to the cross and paid the penalty for every sin that you and I have ever committed. So when you become a follower of Christ, there is this great spiritual swap that happens. All your sin, all my sin is placed on Jesus and all the righteousness of Jesus we receive. Meaning there is nothing you can do to ever earn more favor with God. All the brownie points with God that can be earned, Jesus earned them all and he gave them to me and you. And all the negative points 
Jesus took those negative points, and not just the past ones, but any that we commit in the future. Jesus took the punishment for those. It is this great, glorious, wonderful, unbelievable, incredible spiritual swap that happens when you and I become followers of Christ, which means that we are free from the law. We are free from having to somehow earn God's favor. It is this wonderful Christian truth that is sometimes abused by Christians. That's why Paul gives this warning. He recognized that some would say, well, I'm free from the law. I'm free from the rules. I can do whatever I want to do. So Paul wrote, yes, you are free, but do not use this freedom to indulge the flesh. Do not go back to acting like two-year-olds going, mine, 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 give me, give me, give me. If you do that, he said, first of all, one of the consequences is you'll destroy one another. Your relationships will go south. You will hurt others. You will be hurt by others. Paul says, rather than doing that, humbly serve one another in love. And he mentions this uh, command from Jesus. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment of all the commands that we find in the Old Testament? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Paul here says, if you're living by the flesh, it is impossible to fulfill this command and to love your neighbor as yourself. So living by the flesh and you will destroy one another. Secondly, and you can write this in, living by the flesh disrupts our spiritual growth. It disrupts our spiritual growth. Look at verse 16. Paul wrote, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. So you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Paul here is very clear that you cannot simultaneously walk by the spirit and walk by the flesh, that they contradict one another. Which means when we choose to walk by the flesh, it disrupts our relationship with God. It, it separates us from being able to be led by the Spirit. Now, let me be clear. This does not mean that being led by the Spirit and walking in the Spirit means that you can't have fun. This is not about living some monastic lifestyle where you sit around all day and read your Bible and pray and, and chant things in Latin. We are welcome to enjoy God's blessings in life. Walking by the flesh means walking uh, in a sinful way. Anything that is contrary to the Spirit's leading. And so Paul is clear here that if we indulge our desires, we cannot at the same time spiritually thrive. You can't understand God's will for your life if you're living by the flesh. You can't follow the Spirit's leading in your life if you're constantly living by the flesh. You really can't be used by God to do great things. 
if you're living in the flesh. So ultimately, it disrupts our communion with God, and it will, it will destroy uh, our lives and our spiritual lives. So one, it destroys our relationships. Secondly, it disrupts our spiritual lives. And then finally, number three, you can write this in, it divides us from God. Look at verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you see that list of sins there? Some of those, as Paul said, are absolutely obvious. We know they're wrong. Witchcraft, orgies, sexual immorality, drunkenness. I mean, we can look at that list and go, yeah, that, that, that'll get people in trouble. You know, they'll get in trouble with mom or dad or teachers or the law or, you know, that, those are bad. Those are really bad. But Paul lists some other sins here that he calls obvious, and we sort of scratch our heads and go, I, I don't know, Paul. I don't know that those are, you know, all that bad. Discord, creating controversy, dissensions. Come on, Paul, this is a little fun to stir things up every now and then. You know, get some people fighting, get a little conflict going. Paul even mentioned selfish ambition. How often do we praise that? Selfish ambition. Paul here is saying, look, even though as Christians, we will sometimes sanitize these sins and make them more socially acceptable, this is how the world lives. And Paul says, remember, the world will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what he is saying here is, look, living by the flesh separates us from God. Not relationally. If you're a follower of Christ, it does not separate you from relation, uh, relationally. You are still a child of the King, 100% loved by God. But it disrupts our fellowship, causes us to miss what God has for us. Okay, that's all the negative. Let's turn our attention to the positive because Paul says, look, that's not how you should live. But let me tell you the benefits of living by the Spirit. Here's the first one you can see there. Living by the Spirit frees us from the law. Look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then notice what he adds. Against such things... There is no law. This is the central theme of the letter that Paul wrote to this church in Galatia. There were those in the church who began to believe and teach that the way that we acquire God's favor is through keeping all the rules and regulations. That the Christian life is this grand checklist. And every night when you go to bed, you can go through that checklist and go, well, I did well here. I did not do well here. And that is the measuring stick to know how well we are doing with God. And Paul here says, no, you are missing the point of what it means to follow Christ. It's not about you and making sure that you get everything right. Rather, 
It's about the Holy Spirit indwelling in you, changing who you are, changing your desires, and allowing you to do things that you cannot do in your own power. Think about it this way. Think about the Ten Commandments, and let's just deal with the ones that have to do with our relationships with others. Commandments like do not murder, do not steal, do not lie, do not commit adultery. Think about those commandments. If we walk in the Spirit and we exhibit the qualities of love and joy and peace and patience, what are the chances that we will break one of those commandments? It's hard to do it when you're walking in the Spirit. If I have the fruit of kindness in my life, how likely am I going to spread malicious gossip about others? If I have joy as a product of the Spirit, am I going to go off and yell at someone else because they have wronged me in, in a video game? No. If, if I have self-control exhibited in my life, am I going to engage in sexual immorality? No. If the Holy Spirit has done His work in my life and I have, I have placed myself in, in a position where God is able to do this work on my character and patience is a trait that has, that has manifested itself in my life, how likely am I to honk my horn and flash my lights at the person going 50 miles an hour in the left-hand lane on interstate, which is a major sin. Do not ever do that. It is wrong, it is wrong, it is wrong. You do not drive like you're driving Miss Daisy in the left-hand lane on interstate. You move over to the right. However, if I have patience, I'm not going to honk my horn and yell at you. I'm going to wait for you to receive the conviction of the Holy Spirit <laughs> and move over. Paul's point is very clear. As the Holy Spirit does this work in our lives... We don't need the rules and the regulations. Our desires change. Our character changes. It's not that we just don't sin. It's that we desire not to sin. It's not that we do right so we can check all the boxes. It's that we, we want to do right. We want to please the Lord. It is the Holy Spirit's work in our life. It frees us from the law. Secondly, Living by the Spirit frees us from our flesh. I want you to notice verse 24 here. Paul wrote, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So you may be in here and you're not a follower of Christ. First of all, I am thrilled that you are here. We are glad to have you. And maybe you're just checking it out or a friend invited you and you're not sure about this whole Jesus thing. And perhaps one of your objections to becoming a Christian is you don't want to lose your freedom. Now, you do not want to have to follow a bunch of rules and regulations, and that's how you view Christianity. Here's what you need to know. The Bible is very clear. Life experience teaches us this that you outside of Christ are a slave to your flesh. That's what Paul here says. You think that becoming a Christian will mean that you're restricted and shackled by a whole lot of thou shalt and thou shalt nots? 
Listen, every rule, every command that we find in the Bible was given by a God who created us and knows how we best operate. And God says, I want you to be free. Do these things because it will bring you more peace and more joy and more happiness in life. And outside of Christ, you cannot do it. You are a slave to your sinful nature. You are bound by your flesh. And ultimately, that, uh, that being bound by your flesh will lead you where you do not want to go. Freedom in Christ is the freedom to do what God has designed us to do. So living by the Spirit frees us from the law. It frees us from our flesh. And then here's the last thing. You can write it in. It frees us from our pride. Verse 25, Paul said, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And then he adds this at the end. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. You see, at the end of the day, we are all selfish, prideful individuals. We, we wake up every morning, we go to the bathroom, we look in the mirror, and we say to that person staring back at us, how can I make you happy today? How can I best serve you today? And when we do that, it enslaves us. And what the Holy Spirit does is it frees us from this, from being so consumed with ourselves that we miss the Lord's blessings on our lives. Years ago, uh, I was in a meeting with a group of pastors, and the invited guest to that meeting uh, was a guy who had, at one point, had pastored the fastest growing church in the state. He was incredibly talented. Others said about him that he was a phenomenal preacher, that he had this larger than life persona where he could just walk into a room and lead the meeting in the way that he wanted it to go and get people to follow him. And the church had just exploded overnight almost. It went from, in three years, 200 people to over 2,000 people. Just this explosive growth. And in the meeting, which was not there about the church and the growth of the church, uh, the reason he was invited to the meeting was because it was discovered that he had had an affair and he lost his job, he lost his family, lost, lost so much. In fact, the person he had the affair with didn't stay with him. He ended up just losing everything and found himself broken and hopeless and almost suicidal. In this small group of pastors, we were asking him questions. And one of the questions that someone asked was, how did it get to this point? How did you get to the point that you thought that that was totally fine? And he said, you know, everything was happening so fast. And he said, and I looked around and I started to believe my own press. And he said, it became all about me and what I could do and what I could accomplish and he said, looking back on it now, I realized that I was a prisoner of my own pride. Pride will absolutely do that to us. That's why Paul here says we have to release ourselves from that, to put ourselves in a position where the Holy Spirit is able to work in our lives. Now, I get it. This is not easy. The flesh wants what the flesh wants. Our sinful desires will raise their heads and will try to get us to follow those desires. 
And so becoming the kind of person that God has designed us to be is not about trying harder, but it's about drawing closer to God. Which is why, again, in this book, you have a devotion for every day of the week. I want all of you to promise me that tomorrow morning that you will get up, that you'll get your cup of coffee, that you'll find a quiet spot, that you'll get this book and you'll get your Bible and you'll spend time reading God's Word and spending time with Him in prayer. And here's my hope. Here is my sincere hope and prayer for our church that we will get to the end of this nine-week period and we will look back and all of us will say, God, you have done an incredible work. You have not just changed what I do. You have changed who I am. God, thank you so much. 